Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Of course, we are here every day, every Sunday, and and every day of our lives as Christians, we are to be here to know God and make him known, to be an intimate, growing relationship with him and to share him with the world around us. And we're continuing to do that by learning what it is, how it is that we are to be Christians. And of course, that first answer, or first thing you have to answer is what is a Christian? Because in today's day and age, there's lots of people who say they are Christians who really don't fit the biblical definition for what a Christian is. And so we, a couple of weeks ago, clarified that a Christian is a disciple who has submitted their life to Jesus, their whole life. We live in a day and age where there seems to be a split, where we think you can be a Christian but not give your whole life to Jesus, that you can be a a believer without being a disciple. But scripture is very clear that believers, Christians, started off in biblical history as disciples. Christian was just a name that disciples of Jesus were given. And so to be Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus who is given your whole life in following after him that you might learn from him and learn from his teaching and learn from his ways that we are supposed to be taking up the yoke of Jesus, his teachings, his way of life, first in in believing on him as Lord and Savior, but then in instituting his way of doing the the daily life that we've been blessed with uh, as we follow after him. And, And then last week, we talked about how the Christian is to put Jesus Christ first, to submit to him as Lord in every area of life. There is no place in your life that should be outside of the influence of your master and your king and your Lord, Jesus Christ. There isn't any dark corner where you get to keep your secrets and and your hobbies and your habits that you prefer and don't want to get rid of. All of it should be given to him and submitted to him as Lord. And and then today we're going to be looking at, well, uh, one more concept. We're going to be talking about the the Christian call to purity. You can see the little drop. Is that blood or is that water? Yes. Uh, Because it is the blood of Christ that purifies us from sin. And it is the the glorious gift of water that purifies us from the self or from the the filth of of daily life. And, And as Christians, we're supposed to bring those concepts together into our life and understand that purity is both a work of the Lord in our life and it is a work that we accomplish and we uh, move forward in by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to look more like Jesus. Probably one of the the greatest uh, lies that Satan whispers into our ears is that we can be Christians but not have to worry about the purity of our life. That it's okay to be outside of, of God's plans and expectations for us. That, that you know, he loves you, so, so it's, it's all right for you to just choose what you want, live how you want, do what you want. But scripture says something completely different to us 
when it comes to the purity of our lives, when it comes to what we choose to do with ourselves. Now, we're supposed to already be disciples who are learning from our Lord and Savior. But what does that mean? Is it, it, We must begin to practice purity, to pursue purity of heart and mind and life. Jesus himself in Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That word blessed means actually happy, content, complete. If you feel like your life is lacking, consider the fact that you have continued to live in impurity and accept the things of this world and the status quo of sin as acceptable and and something you can allow into your life. But but Jesus says you will be content when you purify your heart, when you see yourself uh, separated from sin and evil. And not only that, you'll see God You'll experience him. Second Thessalonians, the apostle, excuse me, first Thessalonians, the apostle Paul writes this to the church and he says this, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Christians, we are all called to a life, not of impurity, not of just accepting things as they are, not looking at ourselves and looking at our other fellow believers and saying, eh, good enough. But instead to look at the impurities and the unholiness in our lives and challenge one another to follow Jesus more wholeheartedly, to be pure. Because we were not called to impurity, but to holiness. 1 Timothy 5.22, the apostle Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor, a leader in the church. And he says this, don't be quick to appoint anyone as an elder. In other words, everyone needs time to mature before they're placed into leadership. And then he says this, and don't share in the sins of others. Man, that's like this this pointed barb. Don't share in the sins of others. I know that uh, for me, as, as a youth pastor, uh, back a couple weeks ago, uh, <laughs> or 15 years ago, the last time I served in full-time youth ministry, um, Shelly, we're getting old, uh, but, but the, 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 there was these, these meetings I'd have with other youth pastors, and we were all pretty good guys. I mean, we would be upstanding, fine young men of the Lord, right? And, but we'd go out for pizza, and we'd start talking, and we'd enjoy the pizza, and it, there was literally nothing flowing at the table save for Mountain Dews and, you know, Pepsi, uh, but, but we'd, we'd eat a little bit, we'd drink a little bit, and then somebody would crack a dirty joke. And, you know, it just came out of nowhere. There'd be a dirty joke, and, and we'd all start laughing, and, <laughs> and then the next 20 minutes would inevitably end up being some of the raunchiest talk you would have heard around a table and 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 we would begin to share in each other's sins as one person went a little further do you know what the next person would do go just a little bit further and and then by the time we get to the end of that there's silence and we're all looking at each other and we're deeply ashamed Because all of a sudden, we run out of dirty jokes and we end up in deep conviction looking at each other and going, I'm so sorry I started that. I'm so sorry I took that farther. Usually it was me saying, I am so sorry that I took it so far and I was the one who embarrassed us all. And it is so easy though to share in other people's impurity, isn't it? To share in their sin. And then he says this, keep yourself pure. 
In other words, you can choose to share in the sins of others, but the higher calling of the Christian is to consistently work toward a life of purity, to keep yourself pure. Now, there is an implication that you are pure to start, and we all know that 1 John 1, 9 tells us that, uh, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that in Christ Jesus, we can all reboot at any moment and be perfectly pure in the eyes of God. And yet, it takes work to remain pure, to remain in a state of not being tainted by sin and evil. 1 John 3.3, the apostle John writes to the church in Asia Minor and says this, everyone who has this hope in him, and what do you think this hope in him is? It's salvation. Everyone who has salvation in Christ Jesus, everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. That we are called, if our life is focused on Jesus, if we are following after him as a disciple, learning from him, declaring him to be Lord, we are supposed to be in the constant work of purifying ourselves, making choices that we know will remove sin from our life and bring us into a place of being cleansed just as Jesus himself is pure. And so the the statement for today, the blood drop, the, the drop of water reminds us the Christian is committed to a life of purity and is taking steps to separate from sin. When we talk about how to be a Christian, it is to declare Jesus is your master. You are his disciple. To learn from him. To cry out and proclaim him as Lord of every aspect of your life. And now that you, the disciple who is learning from the master who is your Lord, are following after him, you must begin to enter into the process of seeking purity in your own heart and mind and lifestyle. And and purity doesn't just happen by accident. You don't just become better because you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, I submit to you, do all the work. Scripture tells us that we must take steps to separate ourselves from sin. We must intentionally choose on a daily basis to be purified from those things that we used to do and love and appreciate and think we're the best and get rid of them that we might be considered and seen as pure before God. And there's a couple of really cool promises about that purity we'll look at here in a few minutes. So what is purity? Let's define it. Purity, according to a Bible dictionary, is the condition of being free from any physical, moral, or ritual contamination. Now you might look at that definition and go, wow, That's pretty intense. And I will tell you, yes, it is. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Anybody just perused Leviticus? If you had mold on your leather jacket, and and let's, let's be honest, if we've got that old suede jacket from the 70s and 80s and it's still in our closet, and we were to decide to wear it to church one Sunday, you're gonna pull it out and you know what it's gonna smell like? mold and mildew. Why? Because it's moldy and mildewy, just in its pores. It's just sitting in there. Do you know if you were in the, the, the Old Testament system, you pulled out that old leather jacket, according to the book of Leviticus, you put it on. Do you know what happens to you? 
you are impure and cannot come to the temple and cannot approach God. You are unclean. Guys, uh, your facial hair, guess what? It's got to be trimmed a certain way. Ladies, if you have had, you know, things happen in the last week or so, you can't come to church. I mean, do you understand? You've had special dreams, no church. You, you, you have mildew in your home, no church. You eat a cheeseburger, no church for you. That, that there were strict standards for purity. And we might laugh at them and we might think small of them, but God was so serious about the purity of his people in the Old Testament He declared, you have to do all of these things in order to come into my presence. And then we as Christians, we get this mindset that, oh, it's all good, Jesus. I don't need to worry about purity. And that is a terrible, horrible lie that Satan has convinced us is true. Because the Bible tells us that we must strive for purity. Now, the beauty of being a Christian is no longer do we have to worry about what we eat or what we wear in a sense that there are specific standards, uh, you know, that, that you, you can't mix fabrics and you, you can't eat shellfish and you, you can't have mildew in your home and you can't wear something that's moldy and you can't have had some natural thing happen in the last week. We don't have to worry about those things anymore. We are made pure in Christ Jesus and we can come into the presence of God. But now that we are spiritually pure... God is calling us to be pure in every other aspect of our life. He says, I see you as perfect, and now I want you to strive to be what I see you as. And I'm going to help you, and I'm going to give you guidelines, and I'm going to empower you, and there's going to be great reward for it. But I don't want you to stay like you were. I want you to be, in reality, as pure as I see you spiritually. And so this purity that we're seeking is to be free from anything that God would look down on and declare to be sinful or evil or a contamination in our spiritual life. And, and this, is, this is not food anymore. Jesus in a discussion in Mark chapter 7, there were some people who were picking on him and telling him that you know his disciples were doing wrong things. They weren't washing their hands before dinner. <gasps> Which was, you know, that was something that would keep you from being uh, part of the fellowship, according to certain religious teachers. And Jesus says, listen, it doesn't matter if you wash your hands. It doesn't matter what you eat. It's not what you put into your mouth that violates your purity. It's what comes out of your heart. And this is what he says. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. When we're talking about purity... When we're talking about purifying ourselves as Christians in in seeking to live lives of holiness and purity, we're talking about not changing who we hang out with necessarily, but we're talking about spending time with God and setting apart our lives in such a way that we begin to change from the inside out. Because where does evil come from according to Jesus? You can point to it pretty easily, right? Where does, let's, let's take our fingers, right? Put out your pointer finger. Every, nobody, come on. You just, it, thank you, Paula. I appreciate that. 
Where does evil come from? Now, don't point to Jeff's heart because we know. No, I, well, yes, but, but look, look, if we were to just take this and we can find it out, we got our little, our little evil finder. Where does it come from? You know, it can seek and we can maybe point at people and, and, and what did Adam and Eve do? Adam was like, or Eve was like, it's a serpent. And Adam was like, it was Eve. And, and God said, no, I know where evil came right there, right there. You want to, you want to do, activate your evil finder and find out where it comes from in your life. Now, we all know it's not your boom, 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 boom heart. It's your soul. It's the very depth of your being. It's who you are. And so to work to be pure is not to wear the right clothes or get the right haircut. That's called legalism. To work to be pure is to spend time in the presence of God that he might change who you are from the inside. That it becomes who you are on the outside as well. So how is it that we can be pure? Because that sounds really good, right? But how can we be pure? It would be much easier just to say, don't eat a cheeseburger and you're good with God, right? That would, I mean, first of all, that sounds evil, but still, that would be, that would be pure. I mean, easy, right? Or, Or some of the rules we like to follow as Christians come to church at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, if you did something really bad and God will see you as pure. We like to think, oh, well, read my Bible, and God, God will see you. You'll be pure before God. And, and those are good things, and we'll talk about their place in the Christian life in the coming weeks. But it is not a work we do so much as it is a pursuit of relationship with God that brings purity. Here, here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans six nineteen: For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness. He looks back at the life that we led before we were Christians. And some of us, maybe we were saved early, so we don't quite see this in ourselves as easily. But those of you who were saved later in life, you know this is true. You used to, and even as children, if you were saved young, we used to offer ourselves as slaves to impurity or unrighteousness on a daily basis. When you, when you pick up the remote and you turn to that show and you know you shouldn't and you do, you are offering yourself as a slave to impurity. When you go out drinking with that friend and you know what's going to happen, you are offering yourself as a slave to impurity. When you turn on the computer and you, you enter that website and you go to it and you spend the next 30 minutes there, you are offering yourself as a slave to impurity. When you're hanging out with youth pastors and you crack that first dirty joke, you are offering yourself as a slave to impurity. And what happens when we offer ourselves as slaves to impurity? We find it, we enter into a spiral to greater and greater lawlessness. One sin usually leads to two sins, to three sins. And guess what happens is the sins get worse and worse and worse until we stop offering ourselves as slaves to impurity. So what are we supposed to do instead? Now? Offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. So to offer yourself is what? It is an active daily choice about what you are doing with your body and your mind 
and your spirit. An active daily choice. To whom are you submitting to, to, to as master? Scripture tells us so clearly, submit to a better master. Stop daily submitting yourself to impurity by the choices that you make, the actions that you pursue, the things that you love. Stop offering the parts of your body up to impurity. Because what will come out of that is greater and greater sin. But if you choose on a daily basis, and it must be a daily and regular basis to wake up and make the choice not to offer yourself as a slave to impurity, but a slave to righteousness, it will result in increasing sanctification or purity in your life. So the first thing you must do if you want to pursue purity like scripture calls you to is to wake up and choose your master because... 1 Peter 1.16 says, it is written, be holy because I am holy. Choose your master wisely because God wants you to live a life that is set apart to him and him alone. Why? Because he is set apart and he is different and he is beautiful and unique. Now, the word holy, a lot of us when we think of holy, we think of purity. But the word holy must begin with a different concept. It begins not with purity, but it begins with being set apart. It begins with making a choice of to whom do you belong. Do you belong to impurity or do you belong to God? And it's a daily choice. So uh, holiness, let me give you a picture of holiness. And I think I've used this before, this illustration. This is my pen. I like this pen. This pin is amazing. First of all, uh, it, well, it started out black, but now it's not so black. But it has black ink, it has pencil, and it has red ink. And I know you're coveting right now. It's okay. You are forgiven as long as you repent. But here it is. This is my, I, 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 I actually, I have three of these pens right now uh, in, my, in my book bag and on my person. And, and I also have about five more like them at home. One of them actually has a little Star Wars Darth Vader head right here on the pocket clip. And um, some of them have like a screen doobie-dob that you can, anyway, amazing pens. Do you know what? I won't let you use my pen. This pen this pen is holy to me. And I don't mean it, it, it is God's. I mean, it is set apart for me. It is holy unto me. Some of you, you've got things in your life. You, you understand what I'm talking about, right? You, you've got, you know, a favorite frying pan. Maybe that's just me too. Uh, but, but, you know, there is something in your life. There are tools that you won't let anyone else touch. They're the scissors, ladies, you know, if you're into crafting or fabric, you know there is a pair of scissors in your life that it is upon threat of your life or absolute need that you will let someone else use those scissors. Uh, it was always the pinking shears for my mom. And, and so you, you, you understand, we all understand holiness because there are things in our life that are set apart for us and us alone. Holiness is to say, I am set apart for God and God alone. I belong to him. 
I am his to be used. Now what results is that when we choose to be holy and we set ourselves apart unto God and God alone, we choose him as our master, Romans 6 tells us that we will increase in purity. We will be made pure. But if we choose to just say, all right, everybody can use the pen. Pen's for everybody. That's how it used to be, right? I'll leave it sitting out. Anybody can use it whenever you want. Abuse it. I don't care. Uh, you know, break all the lead. Use all the eraser. Oh, my gosh. I would kill you if you used all the eraser. But, but you get, I mean, to just leave the pen out and let anybody do whatever they want to. Because that's how it should be. And it's okay. And everything's cool. That, you, you see... That is to choose lawlessness and impurity. And it's ever increasing. Because once the pen's trashed, what are we going to use it for? I don't know. Next thing you know, we're doing it, use it to prop open a door. Because that's all it's good for anymore. The unrighteousness, the impurity increases. I hope you can, can get a picture. You and I, brothers and sisters, we are called to be holy. And we are supposed to make a daily choice to set ourselves apart For the sake of God. And over time, when we make that daily choice, we will become pure. But if we do not, and we set ourselves apart to be used by the world and follow after the desires of our heart that are evil and twisted, we will become more and more impure in unrighteousness. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. Set yourself apart to God. Where do you, how do you do that? How do you pursue holiness? Turn away from the things you've been pursuing and come back to God. Repent. Simply put, repentance is, is just to turn away from, to turn around and come back to what is right. Stop submitting yourselves to the impure things of this world. Stop submitting yourselves to the lawlessness that comes. Ephesians 4 says to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. To daily strip off from your practices your old way of doing things. The things that you know displease your Father in heaven. The things that you know go against the one that you call Lord. To take them off and put them away and stop Letting them be master of your life. So first, to be holy is to repent or to turn away. To be holy is to do this. To be repentant is to turn away and then to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. To begin to think about the world differently. We talked in Sunday school this morning, or I talked and other people listened. You guys could talk more in Sunday school. It's cool. Um, but, but, but we talked a little bit and said, sometimes the things that sound perfectly reasonable to us and make great sense are completely against Scripture. Have you ever had that kind of thing? Oh, that makes sense. That's reasonable. I like that. And then you open up God's Word, and it's like, oh, man, that's wrong. You see, the way that we think about this world, a lot of times we get firmly convinced to love the things that we like, no matter how sinful we are. We have to begin to change our mind about things, to see what God says. How does God tell us to think about things like abortion and homosexuality and transgenderism? How does God tell us to think about those kinds of things? He says things like, I knit you together in your mother's womb all the days 
I had planned out for you before one of them came to be. He says things like, I made you male and female. He says things like, uh, uh, when we're talking about marriage, a man should leave his, his, his parents and, 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 and cleave to his wife. One man, one woman, one lifetime. We, we see that, that God's way of thinking doesn't fall in line with what we think is reasonable sometimes. And so to be holy, to be pure, to repent is to change how we think about things and bring it in line with what God thinks, what our master and savior says. It, Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Change the way that you think about things so that they fall in line with what God says. So we repent. We, to repent is to turn away. It's to change your mind. To repent next is to do this. The, the, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. To repent, to turn back to God, to really love and follow after him is to hate sin. The things that he calls sin, you hate them. And I want to begin by saying, especially your own sin. <laughs> it's really easy to hate other people's sin, isn't it? In fact, I think everything about politics is driven these days by hating somebody else's sin tendencies. I hate your greed. I should vote for people who will take away all your money. I hate your immorality. I should vote for people who will clamp down, throw you in jail, and maybe even burn you at the stake. Hoorah! We hate each other's sins so adamantly that we are divided and hateful and terrible to one another, and yet we fail to hate our own sin. We fail to look in the mirror and hate our own greed, our own covetousness, our own lustfulness. We hate other people and their things. But true repentance is to hate sin in its totality. But especially when we find it in our own hearts and minds. And it goes on to say this. Take off your former way of life. Change your mind. Repent. Change your mind. And then to put on the new self. So we're supposed to be, as part of repentance, turning away from the old ways of doing things, changing our mind about how we're supposed to live life, and then hating our own sin, and then following a new way of living modeled after the goodness and graciousness of Jesus Christ. So how, do we, how are we pure? We set ourselves aside as holy. How do we become holy? We repent and turn away from the old way of doing things, and we change our mind, and we hate sin, and we follow a new way of Christ. And this is how we pursue purity in our life. Be holy. Repent. And then God can do in you what you long to see happen as regards to your purity. So why pursue purity? Why does purity matter? Well, first of all, God says it, so we should do it. Right? I mean, that's, that's like some of the most basic rules about the Christian life is if God says it, do it. And you might go, well, why? And sometimes the answer is simply because he said so. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. So do it. If you have been a parent or are a parent, I guess once you are a parent, you stay one. Uh, um, just, just, you know, the whole way that thing works. Um, you are a parent. You've had a moment. I know it because I had a number. Why should I do that? 
because I said so. And that's it. What, what, well, but why? There is no other why. I am your parent and I have said so. And we all know if you've had that experience, it's because it's for their best, right? It's what needs to happen to train them, to shape them, to mold them. The same is true when God tells us to do something. So first, we should pursue purity because God says so. But there, there, there are rewards to purity. Now, first of all, there are consequences to not pursuing purity. Uh, J.C. Ryle, he was a bishop in the church, and, and he said this, To tell an unconverted man dead in sins to grow in grace would doubtless be absurd. In other words, we're not telling unbelievers to pursue purity because they have no reason to pursue purity. But once we're saved, once we're saved, once we've come to know Jesus Christ, we are his disciple, we are learning from him, we have declared him to be Lord. To tell a believer who is quickened and alive to God to grow is only summoning him to a plain scriptural duty. He has a new principle within him, and it is a solemn duty not to quench it. Neglect of growth or neglect of pursuing purity robs him of privileges, grieves the spirit, and makes the chariot wheels of his soul move heavily. It's a beautiful, terrible picture of wanting to move forward in this life, and yet when we don't pursue purity, when we don't pursue growth in Christ Jesus, we end up with our chariots stuck in the mud. We were saved to run races and pursue great things. And when we refuse purity and growth, we become stuck in the mud and mired. Do, do you today maybe feel like your Christian life is just stuck? I, I got to say, probably the first thing you need to do is begin to pursue purity. If you feel like God is distant, you feel like everything is just mire and misery, pursue purity. Pursue holiness. Repent. And turn in the direction you should be going. Once again, Jesus says this, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Why would we pursue purity? Why do we, we want to pursue and chase after this, this, this purity of heart and mind and life? Because in purity, we are promised an increasing intimacy with God. You feel like your chariot is stuck in the mud? Pursue purity. And Jesus says, you'll know God. You'll experience him. You will grow in your relationship with him. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Why should we pursue purity? Why should we want to take off those old evil things and submit ourselves to the mastery of the Savior and his righteousness? Why? So that when others outside of Christianity look at us, we get to declare to them how great God is and how good he is in our life. But when we look just like them and we behave just like them, do you know what they think when they look at us? I don't need what they have because I'm already just like that. It's, if, if you take a medicine and it doesn't help, why would your friend want to take the same medicine for the same condition? That's foolishness, isn't it? And yet, some of us 
we're still walking around in our old way of life, wondering why nobody will follow after the Savior that we say we love, and it's because they see no value to it. Because there's no purity, there's no change, there's no holiness. So we pursue purity for the sake of being more intimate with God. We pursue purity so that we can declare his goodness to unbelievers. And then we pursue purity for this reason. 2 Timothy 2.21, the apostle Paul talks about a household. And he says, in a household, there are two different types of vessels, at least. You know, some you can use for honorable things and some for dishonorable things. And, you know, we can put it just a really crass, simple way. We've got things like coffee cups and toilets, right? We've got like soup bowls and and the kitchen sink. You know, you don't serve coffee to your guest in the toilet. Why? Ooh. They are set apart for two very different things, aren't they? And, and even what's amazing is that you can even clean a toilet out and it gets, it's, it's still questionable, but at least you know it's sanitary, right? Maybe you could like, anyway, the, you know me, rabbit trails, my mind's just going, whoop, 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 stop. But you get the picture, right? You, there are things that are made for serving people and wholesomeness and good things. And then there are things in our home that are made for dishonorable things. It's interesting, uh, there's this uh, joke that goes around. If you've got somebody who likes to drop by your house unannounced and share in meals, you know, they come right around mealtime, the quickest way to um, fix that is if you have a dog. When it's time for dishes, you just put the plates on the floor, allow the dog to lick it clean, and then put the dishes straight back in the cabinet. Now, of course, you're going to come back later, right, and, and wash them, but, but they'll never come back for dinner again, will they? Why? Because that vessel is impure and they don't want to share in it. Then Paul writes this and he says, So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You wonder why God doesn't use you. You wonder why you don't see the works of God in your life. And yet you wander around daily choosing to be a dishonorable vessel, an impure vessel. You choose in your life to be a toilet instead of a coffee cup. And God, God's word says to us, make a choice to set yourself apart. Make your choice Make a choice to change what you're used for by purifying yourself. And then you will be useful to the master. So why do we want to pursue purity? For the sake of intimacy with God. For the sake of our testimony before unbelievers. For the sake of preparing ourselves to be useful in God's hands. Now, don't fall prey to the thought that you can never be useful unless you're perfect. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, the more you pursue purity, the more God can use you in your life to reach others and to glorify his name. Just to sum up again, the Christian, what we call ourselves, what we are learning how to be, is committed to a life of purity and is taking steps to separate themselves from sin. Daily making choices to pursue purity. So let's, as, as, as brothers and sisters, let's, let's vow together, let's encourage one another to pursue purity. How do we do that? First, be holy. 
Be holy. Choose to set yourself apart for the exclusive use of your father. Choose to set yourself apart for the exclusive use of your Savior and Lord. Choose to belong to him and him alone. Be holy. It's a daily choice. Repent. Turn away from your old way of life and the things that you used to accept and make excuses for and say were okay. And, and how do you repent? You turn away from, change your mind, hate sin, and then follow Christ wholeheartedly. And, and this is how we, we choose daily to commit ourselves to Jesus. We choose daily to turn away from and repent of the old way of life and follow after Christ. And this is how we pursue purity. I, I want you to think of your own life right now, that, that your last week even. What choices did you make this week that you could have made differently if you were going to be pursuing purity? If, if you were going to be setting yourself apart for the goodness of God, giving him space to purify your heart and mind, if you were going to be choosing to be a vessel that was useful to him in every aspect with a great testimony before unbelievers, what might you have done differently? And, you know, purity is a process, not an instantaneous thing. And, and let's be clear on that, that you might have to make a choice to be pure today and you'll make one great choice and five bad ones. And then tomorrow, maybe you'll make one great choice and five bad ones. And then the next day, you'll make two great choices and four bad ones. And I'm gonna, because I have forgotten what I've said already, my math's gonna get messed up, right? But you get the picture. A daily choice to recommit yourself and then change your mind Hate your sin, follow after Christ. A daily choice to pursue purity. So questions to ask ourselves. And I realized as I was reviewing my slides this morning that there's a typo. So clearly purity and holiness are harder. <clears throat> Perfection is difficult. And it must be pursued to be achieved. Or spell checked at least. Are you holy? Are you holy? Now, some of you might go, oh, no, I'm not holy. Understand, I'm trying to tell you, holiness is a choice, first and foremost. Are you setting yourself apart on a daily basis for the sake of your God and your Savior and your God and your Savior alone? Are you holy? No, I don't necessarily want you to, to raise your hand to get the t-shirt, but, but I want you to think about what am, I, what am I choosing every day when I wake up? Am I choosing to submit myself to the impurities of this world and this life, or am I choosing to be set apart from my master and my King Jesus? Are you holy? Maybe the next question, what do you need to turn away from? I can almost say with absolute certainty that everyone in here today has one thing in their life they need to turn away from this week. And, and why can I say that? Because none of us have seen Jesus face to face and our salvation is not yet complete. 
It's guaranteed, but it's not finished yet in the sense of we still are getting better and being made more pure over time. What, what do you need to turn away from this week? If you really want to pursue holiness, you really want to pursue purity, what one thing can you begin to turn away from this week? About what do you need to think biblically? Now, that's kind of a weird question maybe. But some of us, we're allowing culture or our own reason to define what is right. And we go, oh, it makes sense to me. Oh, love. Oh, rights. But what does the Bible say? Because to be pure is to turn away from the old way of doing things, to change your mind based upon what the Bible says. And then to do things like this. What sin do you love too much to give up? What do you need to do in order to hate it? A lot of us, we've got these pet sins, don't we? We keep them in our pocket. We like pull them out once a week. And it's like, oh, I love you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you all that you need to survive. My favorite little sin. What's your favorite sin? What thing that you know is wrong do you keep doing because you really actually like it and you need to start hating it? What do you need to do to hate it? It's just simple things. To to, to give examples gets really personal even for me and difficult. Right? But but you you have a sin of covetousness. You really can't handle what somebody else has that you don't have. How do you come to hate that? Well, you might have to start giving away even what you have. So you stop thinking about the things and focus on your Savior. You're pursuing a sin of drunkenness. And, and don't, because I say something doesn't mean I'm talking about you, right? Even if I accidentally make eye contact, I'm not talking about, well, maybe you. But no. But you like it because it, it, it helps you to cover up your feelings and it helps you to hide from your day. Why, why do you keep pursuing it? Learn how to hate it. Your savior hates it. Your king hates it. What favorite sin do you have? The one that you love too much that you're struggling to give it up. What do you need to do to come to hate it? And then finally, what next step of purity is the Holy Spirit laying on your heart today? The Holy Spirit of God, by the power of God's word and hopefully whatever reasonable or meaningful thing I might have said in preaching has very well laid something on your heart today. A place where you have been submitting yourself, making yourself a slave to the old way of life, to impurity, and you need to give that up and start submitting yourself daily in purity, in righteousness, and give up a sin Give up something that is tainting you. What next step of purity has the Holy Spirit laid on your heart today? And then what are you going to do about it? Are you going to listen? Or are you going to grieve the Holy Spirit and ignore him? My hope for all of us is that we would begin to pursue purity. And it's something that we can't do alone. We need each other and the encouragement we can give. Because... The Christian, according to the Bible, the Christian, the one who is a disciple of Jesus, who is learning from him and has declared him Lord, the Christian is committed to a life of purity. 
and is daily taking steps to separate from sin. What will you do this week in order to pursue purity? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you, when you looked down on our impurity and our sin, and you looked down on our evil and our hatred towards you, you looked down on our rebellion and our selfishness, you looked down on our covetousness and on our pride, our lust and our anger. When you looked down on this sinful fallen world, you looked down on us. And even while we were in sin, you showed us your love by sending your son, Jesus. There is nothing so impure in any of us that we cannot be forgiven and made pure by the blood of your son. And so this morning... May we take what he's done for us. May we take the purity that he has called us to and make it a priority in our life. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much that you made us pure by living a perfect and sinless life, by dying on the cross to pay the price for our sins and our rebellion and then rising again to prove it's all true for anyone who would believe that we can be forgiven of our sins and brought to eternal life. And now in response to that love, may we pursue the purity you've called us to. I know I am so tired of sin being my master. And so I, this week, I'll be working to submit more areas of my life to your lordship and your purity. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that they, as we talk to you right now, that they would have laid on their heart by your Holy Spirit their next step of purity, their sin pet that they need to kill and repent of, their way of thinking that is wrong and unbiblical that they need to shift to your way of thinking. Help us all to be more pure, that we might experience you more fully, that we might declare your name amongst the unsaved through the good works of our pure lives and so that we might be more useful in your hand in all things. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making this possible. Now, Help us to choose to be pure for you. It's in your name that we pray this morning. Amen. This morning, if you need to talk to somebody, you're really struggling with a purity or a sin issue, you need help being held accountable, uh, know that Elder Steve, myself, come find us. Come talk to us. We would love to, to try and help you find a way to, to, to beat those things that are leading you to impurity and sinfulness. Because this is, a, this is a team sport Christianity is. And we all need each other. Let's stand together and sing our last song. And if you need to talk or pray, Steve and I are both available up front. Or you can just do it right there at your seat.